Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for a new year and a new episode of Gestalten. My name is Eric Galina, and I'm joined by my colleague, Martin Groschwald. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hello, Eric. Happy New Year. First podcast in 2020. Happy New Year to you as well. And, uh, well, I, I am very well. I'm very relaxed. I'm very... Uh, very much recovered from all the eating from the Christmas holidays. It was and uh, very nice, very nice break. Yeah, it was indeed, and it was much needed as well. So, yeah, happy, happy to start the new year off, first podcast of the year. And you know, I I did not expect that at this early in the year. I mean, like you know, we're recording this on the on the ninth of January. Mm-hmm. We already have quite a bunch of cars to talk about, and it has not just because like you know things have been released in late December. But obviously, CES has, you know, shown us some new things, some unexpected things as well. And yeah, so uh, let's let's get cracking, man. Or oh, like, let me ask you this: How was your holiday? You were, of course, in Canada and enjoyed proper snow. I've been told. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It was very nice. Um, definitely, always, always great to uh, to go back stateside where I was in Seattle for uh, for New Year's or for Christmas rather, and then uh, yeah, went up to uh, to Whistler. For uh, New Year's with the family, it's always great to just uh, you know take a little time off and um, unplug, uh, get together with the family and uh, and enjoy life. So um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And and you, you were in uh, in France. I was in France. Uh, no snow there. It was just you know really nice weather, quite warm as well. Like always around somewhere between eight and ten degrees, which was quite lovely. And uh, yeah, then I came back to Munich, and it was you know, somewhere between five and 10 degrees as well. So no real snow or like, you know, real winter for me. Yeah, it's quite mild that's, still you know, at this point. That's all right. Yeah, no, it is. That's all there right. is one thing though. I mean, usually around this year, this time, this uh, this time of the year, we're always in Detroit uh, freezing. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I have to say, I do miss it a bit, you know, this year, um, not having that start in Detroit, you know, the, uh, the chilly, um, you know, Midwest. Um, I, I do miss it. Um, you know, obviously it's moving to June this year, so it'll be a nice spring show, but still it's, it's always nice to catch up with people and, uh, see some new metal walking around Detroit. Indeed. And, uh, of course, you know, it, it, it did have the problem about off CES, that's right. Over the past few yeah. years, uh, if we look back 10, 15 years, there was never really this kind of issue of, you know, computer, computer electronics show, um, you know, being a direct competitor but with how everything develops at the moment, connectivity, autonomy, uh, electricity, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. You're getting to the point now where it's probably the right decision for the organizers of the Detroit show to move it into June where it doesn't have a conflict with, with any other show. Uh, bearing in mind, obviously, CES Asia is going on at the same time, mm-hmm. but this is nowhere the same size of what's happening in Vegas right. uh, at this right. moment in time. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It also puts the city of Detroit and, you know, the forts, the GMs, the the FCAs now into a much bigger spotlight than what it used to be in the, you know, in, in January over the past five years, I'd mm-hmm. say. So, uh, yeah, as, as much as I love, uh, obviously, you know, having that kind of coldness around there and, you know, being in the Midwest when the winter time is always good fun. But I think in, in, in just a decision-making process, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, we'll be there obviously in, in June. Yeah. 
And so I'm going to be excited to see how it is in summer because, you know, Detroit was uh, well worth going last year in terms of just the city and the experience and meeting with the people. Show was a bit of a disappointment, but, you know, maybe that's going to change. We'll we'll, we'll see what's going to happen in June. Yeah, um, well, yeah. That side. Absolutely. No, it'll be interesting. But actually, so I would I would say let's actually start off with, you know, <laughs> in that sense, going back a little bit in time and going back into late – December and things that we haven't been able to cover at that point in at that point in time during the last podcast. And let's start off actually with one of the most anticipated cool cars, you know, the the, the spiritual successor of a McLaren F1, uh, as a lot of people call it. Let's actually start talking about the Gordon Marie T50, which, you know, is, is, is it's a massive thing, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> this, this thing is... <laughs> Everybody, everybody's looking for the successor of the F1, you know, uh, a central seater, mid seater car uh, with a, a turbine engine, the way it looks like. So uh, when, when they released all these new pictures, we were all quite a bit excited. It's almost like going back into when you were a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's definitely a big deal. Um, Gordon Murray's first, um, you know, supercar. I mean, he's unveiled other cars before this. Um, you know, uh, on his own company, little city cars, really. Um, but this is the first kind of supercar, um, hypercar, really, um, that is uh, coming out of his studio. So, yeah, very exciting stuff. You know, rear-wheel drive, three-seat layouts. You know, um, the car weighs in at like 980 kilograms. So it's, um, yeah, definitely something, and it's got a Cosworth V12. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing stuff complete with like this, um, you know, it, it looks like a fan at the rear, which is, um, really, really cool. Um, certainly a, a race car for the road. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, it's a great looking car. It, there is a lot of, um, uh, reference to the, the McLaren purely in the, in the, I would say in the, um, the canopy, um, like mm. the, uh, the, you know, the DLO, the way the glass is split, just because the, uh, there isn't much room, uh, within the door, um, to put anything down there. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like this layered approach as well. You know, there's like, um, a black exoskeleton, if you will, kind of coming out from below the, uh, the panels is, is what it kind of looks like visually. So, um, yeah, I think it's really nice. I think it's, um, a, a great car. Unfortunately, there aren't that many, images of it um you know that were shown um you know it's but uh we'll see what i don't know when it's actually meant to be hitting the road or available um i think it might be later on this year um kind of in the summertime i think so um mm. should be interesting yeah i think what what i think is going to be interesting based on what we have seen so far is you know when this thing comes out in 2022 is when they're projecting you know this is going to have only like a hundred cars will be produced apparently most of them are already sold so it is definitely this hypercar direction you know I'm I'm just asking like if you want to have an F1 successor would you not think that maybe you know most of the the clients will actually go to McLaren and maybe buy a Speedtail or something like that you know which yeah. is very similar <laughs> to that or if they would if they would really then go to Gordon Murray i mean you know it's we all know what he can do and what he's capable of doing especially from the engineering perspective 
mm. in 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 getting stuff done. But you know, is I'm not asking the question: Do we need this car? Because with every hypercar, always comes this kind of question. But is this maybe a little bit too late? Is this maybe also from what we have seen so far on? On, on this kind of hypercar schedule, actually what I personally like, it's a little bit more conservative. It seems quite simple, uh, apart from this kind of turbine thing in, 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 in at the rear. But is, is this maybe a little bit too boring for, 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 for this kind of market that it goes into? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, um, that is definitely interesting. Um, I don't know. It, I don't know that people are essentially looking for something that's kind of as outrageous perhaps as a McLaren, right? Mm. I think if they're looking for something that's really very honed, you know, performance oriented, I mean, this thing is going to be ridiculous and it's like 700 horsepower, right? Um, and it's a super lightweight vehicle. So in turn, you know, in terms of um, performance and also, this uh, is is meant to be incredibly aerodynamic. I mean, it's got a it's it's got a fan at the rear. Like I said, it's like you know a ground effects um, vehicle, right? Like uh, race car. I mean, they outlaw the, the fan car, right? So um, I think it's it's a racing vehicle, a racing car, certainly for the road. Um, it's an extreme, you know, performance car that has uh, you know a diffuser uh, fan with. Uh, you know, that's going to put out some serious performance. So mm. in terms of, I think that's what, you know, th that's the demographic that they're going after. It's not necessarily, um, you know, people that are into vehicles because, you know, they want to be seen in them. It's more, I think, the person that really wants to drive it, right? Because no one's going to go and buy a Gordon Murray um, car, uh because you know it's a, it's a fashion statement. No one even knows who Gordon Murray is outside of like you know specific circles. Um, I think if you're really like the flamboyant Beverly Hills type, you're going to go out and buy a McLaren or, or even a Ferrari or Lamborghini, even for that matter. So um, I think it's pretty good on you know for that perspective. I mean, it's um, it, it's focused. It's on point. <laughs> um, I think it looks very nice and elegant, but I think ultimately it's it's really a, uh, a performance car and that's that's all that it's really needs to be um you know from a pure driver's perspective yeah and i think the thing this is what you know also from a designs perspective it it doesn't have at least from the pictures that we have seen so far this you know added aggressiveness to it you know what mm -hmm. i mean is this kind mm -hmm. of uh, I've mentioned this a number of times before is that we we're, we're missing a little bit of simplicity um, similar to you know where I said like the Ferrari Ferrari Roma was great because it was so simple it was almost like in Aston and you know this is what the new Vantage should be like in that sense but this kind of simplicity and then you know pieced out with a certain kind of Com complex elements and details, but generally like, you know, a very simple kind of car, which is always the most difficult to do. And that's what I appreciate, by, uh, you know, back on that. Obviously it comes from, from a strong engineering background as well, but, uh, you know, not going over the top with what some other companies are doing at the moment. McLaren, obviously one of them, uh, you know, trying to differentiate themselves a little bit and maybe that goes through this kind of aggressiveness uh, nowadays. But you know, it's it's something that I'm very much looking forward to as well in this kind of supercar area. Mm. Obviously, technologically, you know, we'll see what, what what it is. I mean, 700 horsepower, obviously, is still a massive amount of power. But, you know, we've seen 
thousand horsepower cars, like fifteen hundred horsepower cars, going for the same amount of money, such as the Bugattis, for example, uh, you know, the Koenigseggs, all those kind of things. So, I think it's it's going to be interesting about the entire package. Um, mm-hmm. to to see where this is going to go, but you know we'll we'll see. There's still a couple of years to go, but for a first uh, overview and a first intro from what they have shown us um, online was uh, was obviously not bad. So let's let's leave those supercars first of all behind but us. And are you sure it's still? Uh, I think you're right. I mean, it is meant to launch in 2022, but I think we're going to see it. Uh, I mean, at the moment, there's very little pictures of it available. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we're uh, going to see it in more detail later on this year. Yeah, I would I would imagine they probably show it, you know, around maybe Pebble Beach or something like that, you know, mm. in those kind of exclusive environments. I could very well imagine them uh, them showing it there. I don't expect it to be shown in Geneva. Sure, that would, would be a yeah. Yeah, good. Goodwood would be a good one as well. Yeah, of course, uh, makes a lot of sense in terms of location, as mm. the UK as well. Exactly. So I, I would, I would expect it at Goodwood, Pebble Beach more so. The absolute latest, probably maybe you know Geneva next year, mm. um, but I don't expect it earlier than than July or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. But let's actually move on to something that a lot of people were surprised about. Um, I had a little bit of a, uh, you know, of of some information about this project, but you know, only extremely vague uh, before it came out. But um, the Turkish government, and this is really what it is, mm. have released or like you know shown, presented, whatever you want to call it, their plans to build their own cars, similar to what the what China has done. Mm. And they have already shown two cars. One is a sedan. The other one is an SUV that were both designed by Pininfarina. Right. And uh, so this is a very big initiative of the government to, uh, you know, bring bring up their economy back to speed. Mm. And that, that actually comes quite a bit as a, as a surprise, I would say. I think, you know, um, that, that the Turkish government goes into that. I think, you know, obviously Volkswagen wanted to build more factories, but that didn't happen in the end. They backed out of this. So um, these plans must have been going on for quite some time. Uh, the guy who runs that company, T, uh, it's called Tok, T-O-G-G, is yeah. a former Bosch manager um okay. who who was quite high up in the Bosch ranks uh, and took over and apparently from what's been what's been on out there on in the media is that a lot of high level and very profitable co- turkish companies have kind of gathered together and and fueled that project uh, alongside government money as well so mm-hmm. um that's a little bit of the background, but we're obviously not here to talk about the company in particular face because in p- a particular detail excuse me simply because it's a little bit too early for us to judge. But what we can judge is the design. And uh, I would say let's start off with the SUV because that's the one that's been most covered. That's apparently the one that's closest to a production model as well. And Mm -hmm. as mentioned, this was designed by Pininfarina. So before I give my two cents on this one, Eric, what, what do you think of this one from based on what we have seen? I think it's a it's a really good looking car. <laughs> um, you know, the from an SUV perspective, I'm not big on SUVs, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a really well good looking car, very well resolved. It's got um, obviously there's two different uh, models that have been shown. One is more, um, shall we say, efficiency uh, oriented, um, whereas the other one is far more luxurious with a different grille, larger wheels, and and the like. 
Um, but I think overall, you know, when you look at kind of proportionately um, from a front face and a rear end, like, you know, everything aligns. Penafrina knows what they're doing, <laughs> basically. Um, it's a very good looking car. There's nothing that I can really um, pull out that is, um, you know, that that I don't like, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's muscular. Certainly it has, you know, this... Uh, this light catcher at the bottom of the uh, the the sill there in the on the on the side, um, you know the the shoulder line kind of rising up. I mean, all of this is like typical kind of you know uh, car design tricks. So yeah, and 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 um, the rear end with the full width kind of tail lamp is very much on trend. I mean, this is you know there's nothing um, particularly revolutionary, but it, uh, you know it, it looks it looks good. It looks decent. Yeah, I think it shows a little bit. I mean, it's 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 really interesting to see. It's 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 almost like a a copy of what we have seen is going on in China. You mm. know, so there is certainly and from what I know, there's also a lack of creative talent that has this experience within um within Turkey so that they could have started off like, you know, their own their own design department. Uh, there was clearly the wish of, you know, building something up in Turkey as well, from what I understand. Mm. So right. it it seems like a very, you know, sensible way to go to someone like Pininfarina mm. to do a project like that from a design perspective. But also it gives you the same problems of what we have seen in China. I mean, this is a completely replaceable car. You know, yes. I think what you've yeah. just mentioned is ex exactly the point, is it's well-made, like Pininfarina still know what they're doing, but they're not they're not a creative powerhouse anymore you know mm. they are you go to them you tell them like this is the job i want to get it done it's supposed to appeal to ideally as many people as possible but you know please you know it, it's not supposed to revolutionize anything mm -hmm. um in that sense so you get to um um you get to this kind of point of i think where we as some kind of critical people, like, you know, people who look at these things in a different way, you know, have to understand for the purpose that they are built, it's well made. Mm. But will this be any kind of threat for outside of Turkey? You know, will this be any kind of thing that will have the opportunity to become more like a global brand or like, you know, go into the, into the European, into European soil, into Asian soil? And then I would say, no, it's probably going to stay a local product because the Chinese, they pretty much can do exactly the same thing. You right. know, um, if you, if it won't go into a German market because you can, you can, you can get yourself a Skoda that looks even better than this, in my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably the same price category, if not even cheaper in that sense. So it's, well, yeah, I, I think that's really what it depends on. It's like the price point, right? It's it, if they can make this at a very attractive price point, it will sell. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good looking car. Like you said, it's not, you know, nothing revolutionary and it's not pushing the, the boundaries of anything, but you know, from, uh, and I, I haven't, you know, gone and sat in the car and checked out, you know, quality levels, but Penn and Farina, I mean, you know, they developed into being a, a strict carroceria to, you know, actually a full, a fully fledged kind of car builder, you know, they can from one end to the other, not only design it, but build the car. Um, and you know, it's a, a full turnkey thing, which is, you know, explains why the Turkish government would, uh, tap them to do this. You know, Jajaro can also 
um, do something similar, um, especially now that they've got, you know, the, the, the Volkswagen group. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it, it totally depends like on price point in terms and that will determine this, uh, this vehicle's success. Cause ultimately, you know, now that they've got the design, um, you know, they can effectively just build the factories and build them over there. So it all depends on the quality levels um, that they're able to attain with people that, you know, traditionally don't have any experience building cars um, and, uh, and, and the price point, you know? 100% correct. I mean, like, you know, there is some history in Turkey with building cars, obviously Ford, um, had yes, Ford Utazan yes. there, but that was mainly commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. So there's some kind of experience from that side as well. But you know, it's 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 for me that you know, let's say it's it shows a little bit at the moment of what we see in China as well is the idea of hey, it looks quite simple to build a car, mm. um, and I think that's exactly the point. I think nowadays it has become easier to build a car because of all the technological changes like electric is obviously a big part of this as well but where you can see the difficulty coming in is building a brand you know Mm -hmm. and uh exactly what you have just mentioned it very much depends on the pricing in terms of the, the the positioning of of the brand of the product within their respective markets but even the chinese companies have problems with that you know i mean look into someone like neo who aimed with an ESA at a very high entry level, uh, who only gained recent certain success, uh, excuse me, with the ES6, then the EC6, which is the coupe version of the ES6 pretty much, that were cheaper, they were a bit smaller, you know, where the, the Chinese customer said, yeah, this is something a little bit more of interest to us because the pricing is more attractive to us as well. So, mm. um, and I think this is this is the different kind of ways that we see them at the moment. Um like, you know, when you go to someone like Pininfarina, Italian Design, you know, those kind of old carrosseria houses, you can go to Bertone, Zagato, whatever you think it mm. is, you know, they have become car builders. But I think, you know, they're not brand builders. That is the that is the big difference. Whereas maybe with back in the day, when they were on the carrosseria style, you know, they gave you the opportunity in this kind of direction of, hey, we can help you to build this brand as well. And now it's just like, hey, you know, we get this job, let's get this job done. And mm. I when I when I first saw the pictures, and I don't necessarily mean this in a bad way, but it, you had a little bit of the feelings like, hey, this might have come from a sketch that you know we have seen in China that might have changed just a little bit, but you know it seems like they had the sketch ready. Okay, let's just take that kind of car and let's develop it. You know, absolutely, and absolutely. That's, that's 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 the point for me. So it's nothing original. It's nothing mm. that seems was specifically made just for that talk brand. No, it seems like absolutely. It was just you know like it's, yeah, it's an SUV. Let's build it. Let's make yeah. some kind of things. Build a story around it with like you know the tulps and stuff like that. It's all fair enough. But you it, could throw a Kuros badge on this. <laughs> you could, you could yeah, exactly. I mean, you could throw any badge on this one. Um, and we come to the, the badging later, I think, when we talk mm. a little bit about some CS cars. But this is the point for me is where it's interesting. You know, it's like, this is not where I would say like, oh, you know, should Pinin Farina be proud of this product? It's like, well, in terms of financials, probably they should be because probably got a good deal out of this. But <laughs> in terms of design, mm, I don't know. It's probably, you know, the question is, how you know, is it going to be on their website? Is it, you know, maybe not on their website? Is it going to, you know, 
be deleted from their website quite soon. I don't know. Um, but it's something that I would say design-wise, is it's it's this kind of thing that we're going into, the boringness, the ultra-conservatism, like, you know, nobody is, is willing to take any kind of risks just to kind of plant the seed a little bit. And, uh, and I think we will see actually more like this talk thing. Um, and, uh, and, I, and, and I want to use this kind of idea and lead a little bit to what, what we have seen at CES now. And, uh, in terms of blandness and boringness, um, I want to, I want to move to that Sony car. Uh, that was another surprise that nobody really expected, but. I, I could almost take my words from the talk and put it on Sony as well with the only difference uh, apart from saying SUV, it would be a limousine. Yeah, well, I mean, they like you said, they did build a sedan as well, the TOG. And um, there are some similarities between that uh, Sony car and the TOG sedan. Um, I, in particular, if you look at the interior, I mean, the mm. interior of the uh, of the Sony car is fairly nondescript. Um, it is showcasing some of the um some of the uh, the company's technology clearly but it's also showcasing a lot of other companies technology um so yeah i mean n- not to say that you know it, it's a carbon copy of the other i mean it does have a lot of elements um some have said off of uh you know from porsche particularly if you mm. look at the, the rear end um it, it's also got kind of this uh duckbill platypus thing from uh, Tesla um, going on as well. Um, so it's there's lots of elements that it seems have been taken from other companies. But um, yeah, in, in terms of, you know, showcasing a Sony car, um, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know what Sony real brand values are when it comes to designing a vehicle, right? Um, but, uh, again, I, I, this wasn't done in house. I believe it was created over at Magna. Yeah. Um, and they, they've, they've assembled it, you know, whether, whether they did the design as well, I don't know. Um, they definitely pieced it together and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's attractive, but it's fairly a, you know, it's fairly typical, um, as to what it is that we've got, uh, out there right now. Yeah, I think the difference with with the TOG in particular is that if you look into the Sony car, the 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 shell, so the the car itself is just you know the technology uh, carrier. Mm-hmm. I would say yes. I don't think that Sony has any kind of interest on oh, no. building a car. I think it's That's just true. for them. It's like, hey, look, this is what we can bring into a car, and they weren't smart enough to go into someone like you know like magna and ask them hey can we build something like this mm-hmm. um and i think that is for me the big difference is in 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 a showcase such as with sony it's probably good to have this kind of ultra understated and no you know effect pretty much on especially exterior design on the entire thing uh on mm-hmm. the interior they blandly copied a byton and uh and the it, honda e yeah i mean there's there's no, literally like yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Honda E inside. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of, but again, you know, how how personalized can you make a screen? You know, ultimately, that's all it is. It's a screen with two uh, other screens on either end showing mm-hmm. the, the 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 rear mirrors, right? Um, and and then on the screen itself, you have your infotainment, your definitely your car uh, gauges and and you know information. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I think it's going to be really difficult to, if you start seeing screens 
like that across all of these vehicles, like, um, you know, on the targets are definitely slim, slimmer um, than on the Sony or indeed the Byton. I think the Byton's got the biggest screen just ever. <laughs> you know, coast to coast, taking up half the windscreen um, screen. But you're right. I mean, the, the Sony is, it's all about um, the sensors that they've developed, right? I mean, they see um, where the automotive industry is heading. Everybody is working right now on developing electric vehicles. That's all well and good. But in the future, they're really looking to develop autonomous vehicles. And Sony is like, hey, we can we can get into this business as well. And uh, because that's what this car has, a lot of sensors, essentially, mm-hmm. which will enable it to drive uh, autonomously, or at least, you know, in terms of, um, you know, driver assistance features, um, I think they've got they've got over thirty uh, sensors on this vehicle, um, so it's definitely going to help in terms of uh, ADAS um, and um, also for future autonomy. Yeah, and on, on top of that, I I think what I want to say is like we, you, you talked about the technology of autonomy uh, when we talk about entertainment. Yeah, I think for most people when they hear Sony, they, they combine it with entertainment. They combined it with the film studio. They combined it with TVs. They combined it with the PlayStation, um, of course, massively as well. So this kind of, it, from what I have seen, and this is the thing is like, I haven't seen a, too much of everything, uh, from the presentation, but I was hoping that they could have like a little bit of an, you know, bring the PlayStation kind of into the car. Or something like that, you know. Take the idea of what could be, you know, pl- the sensors, the technology, plus this kind of entertainment value that uh, that Sony has. What could they do internally? You know, uh, similar to what Tesla have done with this little Mario Kart game or whatever it is um, that you can then steer with your steering wheel. Yeah, I- I'm not saying you have to really play Gran Turismo, you know, on your <laughs> <laughs> in your car, even though that would be a really cool thing. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it seems to me that this could have been so much better in terms of everything when we talk about experience, what we talked about a lot like last time, of course, but, you know, experience, also a new idea of an interior because it is still very conservative. So if you look into the interior, it looks, it, for me, it's a copy really of the Honda e um, mm. with all the, the screens and everything as well and how the screens are set up with some ideas that were also put into a Byton uh, setup. But it wasn't then shown, just like, look, this is what Sony really could do in its entirety. It almost seems like one department was being told, hey, do something for CS so we can show something about connectivity and stuff. But they didn't talk to other departments that could have helped them and even, you know, with other ideas and really built the Sony experience and this is more about the Sony technology experience rather than the Sony overall experience. So there's, for me, it's a, it, you know, it, it's it's unfortunately a missed shot. Uh, I don't think they will make a car out of this at all. Um, I think it's just going to be, it's going to be forgotten in like a month's time or two months' time. I think I don't think anybody will speak about it when we go to Geneva. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think you know this is just a, a technology showcase, a prototype. Um, saying, hey, you know, we can actually uh, put in a bunch of um, we can actually put in a bunch of um, technology into this vehicle um, and create things for the automotive industry. Um, but it's certainly not a statement of intent for them to come out and build a car. Um, I certainly don't think. And 
like you know we've seen it also from other co- companies as well right apple um coming out and and you know everybody's talking about how they're going to build a car they're not going to build a car they're just going to mm. they're just going to help you kind of provide some technology like um you know that's ultimately what i believe is 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 their kind of end game if you will um you know they don't have any real intent to build a vehicle um but uh, again it's it's a it's an interesting um yeah and it's fairly bland as well uh, you know if it didn't also it's kind of like um it reminds me a little bit of the Mercedes EQS that we saw in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that car wasn't two-tone, it wouldn't really have um, that much appeal. And the same thing with this. It's like from an exterior design, nah, um, you know, it's it's got a couple of interesting bits, but nothing that we haven't really seen before. It's fairly bland, as you mentioned. It's, you know, there's nothing, um, you know, particularly, uh, but again, it's, it's not bad because of that. It's just not, uh, you know. It's not no, going to set anything on fire, right? But this is exactly the point again. You know, someone like Magna, someone like Pininfarina, someone like Ital Design, mm-hmm. you know, they can make these bland things and literally, like, you know, they probably sit there, you know, sketch in day in, day out, do a project, and then somebody else comes in and says, like, hey, I need a car. Can you do something for me? Oh, yeah, we have something here. Put your badge on it, and then we showcase it. Um and that's totally fine. It's just something that I think in terms of this idea of branding and also experience brands and stuff like that in the future will will just be not relevant anymore, you know, or it will be so relevant that all the cars will look exactly the same, but then you don't need design anyways. Um, yeah. There's obviously a certain kind of group of people who believe that as well. I'm not part of them, but, you know, it's just uh, the way it is. Yeah, and so, I, don't, I don't believe that either. But I mean, at the same time, you know, if if Sony had just bought a Tesla – as other manufacturers have in the past, right? We've seen it with, um, um, you know, tier one suppliers where, um, you know, they, they basically gut out a, an existing vehicle like uh, Renault Espace, for example, just mm-hmm. to showcase their technology. We've seen that before at CES. But, um, it, you know, it, it doesn't have the same impact um, as to say, hey, you know, we built a whole new car, you know, mm-hmm. the it's not an existing product. It's, it's a brand new car to showcase our, um, our, our technology, our partnership with existing, um, you know, cause there's a lot of pieces from other, there's like Bosch, Qualcomm, NVIDIA. I mean, there's a whole range of, um, of, of technology, um, suppliers that are, um, showcased in this vehicle as well. It's not just a Sony car. Don't wear a Sony badge. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting to see that that these guys have this ambition to go into these markets as well. In what kind of capacity it might ever be, that's that remains to be seen. But you know, I I think it it does the industry well to see that there is, um, yeah, there 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 is this push from other sides as well, and not just from you know. It's a great marketing move. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's always great. You know, exactly. That's definitely why they they did it. You know, and that's why they they created a, a car rather than use an existing vehicle because it's going to get them a hell of a lot more yeah. um, notoriety and headlines. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of marketing, yes. now let's talk about the Mercedes Avatar. <laughs> okay. yeah. This thing is, I think, you know, the if you would look for a concept car, this would be pretty much up there obviously it doesn't have anything to do with being a proper you know car whatsoever you could even say like why would it why would it need to have some wheels uh, at all 
But man, this thing is wild, you know, and this thing is, uh, apparently it was developed between the design department and James Cameron. Um, it's probably an early kind of stage setup for Avatar 2 marketing or whatever. I have no idea. But um, this this is, I would say, one of the one of the very few Mercedes show cars that have been completely out of context with almost anything that they have done before. I mean, even, you know, these Le Mans-based racers and all these things, like even the, um, uh, the uh, what was it called? The the old car that was looking like, an, like, an, like a T-model pretty much, like a very early Mercedes-Benz car. That had right. some kind of, you know, history to them and they, they tried to reinterpret that. But this is completely out of context, out of anything. Um, I would say, apart from maybe, you know, the idea of hot and cold that, that Gordon Wagoner always, uh, you know, puts out there. Obviously, the, the the sensual style that they have of taking all the lines away and all these things. I can see that. But this seems completely out of context, out of anything that we have seen of Mercedes from the past three years, um, from from yeah. what I can at least remember. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, you're... you're- your statement about it being perhaps a, a movie car for the uh, Avatar sequel is probably not too far off. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I don't, I don't see how it fits in 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 line with um, with anything that Mercedes is doing right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess you know the simplex concept um, could have been more relevant. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's the point of it, though. I think you know it's it's a cool kind of thing to showcase at CES, I think ultimately was what people um, perhaps decided um, internally, you know, within the company, Hey, let's do something cool for CES. Yeah. Cause in terms of like, you know, cool in terms of attention grabbing, in terms of, uh, you know, visual impact, like, you know, this thing has that in spades, man. <laughs> you know um, if you're like, you know, going there shopping for OLED TVs or looking for the latest in technology, and then you happen to come across this Mercedes with these like shark-like, um, you know, weird glowing wheels and, um, you know, whatever it is that's that's popping out of the back there in the flaps. Um, this is definitely an attention grabber. I don't know how relevant it is in terms of like how we could potentially be transported in the future. There's some interesting aspects in terms of showcasing stuff from an, <coughs> an infotainment or uh, – an entertainment perspective uh, on the interior of the car, for sure. Um, how everything's kind of displayed and embedded into the material. Um, you know, it's like taking, uh, it's almost like uh, screens that are embedded within the the very fabric of the uh, of the car. Um, that's pretty cool. But anyway, I'm, I'm think from a design perspective, this thing was probably a hell of a lot of fun to work on. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. A, I, I mean, this is this is always the point. Is like you know, you can criticize it as much as you want, but as a design exercise, as you know, trying out new things, completely throwing away feasibility, almost. Mm. Uh, I mean, just look look at the look at the wheels, man. This is just like you know, yeah. it seems like, <laughs> uh, like it's so I, it's so cool on the one hand, and on the other hand, this is like. What? <laughs> like, what is this? But um, yeah, it's 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 a really cool design exercise, and I think I actually I have to say I do like the front. Like you know, if you look into the front, and there's this great rendering of it as well, uh, which I have to say these must be one of the best renderings we have seen in a long time. Um, the colors that they're working with, you know, the way they are built mm-hmm. up 
really, really cool. But the front is really something I would love to see on a Mercedes because this is the uh, the kind of direction of you know taking away all the lines. It's so it's so puristic. And it's, it's actually, it's really nice. When I first saw it, I was like, wow, yeah, this is what I would love to see on the Mercedes in the future. And ideally on like the EQ platforms, it seems like all electric, of course, as well. But mm -hmm. this kind of simple way of doing things like, you know, these little details in the, you know, probably a screen or like, you know, what used to be a grill with the blue, you know, effects on it and stuff. That is actually really cool. The, the rear, I'm not so sure, but the front, hey, um, you know, if you put that on, onto, I don't know, maybe a new A-Class, that would be really cool. Yes, yes. No, I think it's great. I mean, you know, the uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot of really cool ideas um, as well. You know, I mean, these these uh, bionic flaps at the rear. I think, you know, the front end is fine. But for me, it's the rear end. You know, it reminds me a lot of uh, this, uh, this car that um, um, Anne Forstner did, who's a designer at BMW now. Mm. She did it for BMW. Um, when she was at Forsheim, it was her degree show project, and um, you could probably just look it up. I mean, I, I, I'm I, I'm not sure if I have anything about that on my website. I don't think I think it was predated my my website when I when I saw that. Um, but uh, anyway, there's some pictures of this um, vehicle with these flaps, um, and you know, for it was it was super interesting i mean that that um, when it when it came out and that definitely reminds me of that so these are basically um mercedes is calling these bionic flaps which are meant to uh to communicate um you know with uh with external um people and cars perhaps as well but um anyway super interesting in terms of all of, of the technology that they have um you know they've got an organic battery for example they've got wheels that can do a crab movement. I mean, it's like, there's lots of stuff in there, but for me, I think the, uh, the, the best image is probably the, um, the rear three quarter, you know, where you get mm -hmm. to see, um, not only the, uh, the, the flaps, right. Because there's, there's lights below, below these, uh, these flaps as well. So it's like, um, it's really quite, um, impactful, you know, visually, um, and then you've got this layer of bodywork that kind of is draped over another layer. There's like an opening in the rear of the vehicle. And then these like, uh, you know, really intense crab like uh, lit wheels um, that, uh, yeah. And then, and then the DLO as well, which is just this huge glass. I mean, there's lots of really interesting elements, even like the interior and how the seats um, at the rear kind of envelop and come over um, and form the headrest for the, the front passenger seat or the front seats, um, I think is, is brilliant. You know, I think there's a lot of really cool um, elements there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it was probably uh, a, an incredible, incredibly fun project to work on. I'm not sure who did it or where, um, you know, it was probably a, a little bit of a collaboration, but it looks like something that would have come out of like the California studio, for example, mm. um, or something, something like it, that. I'm not sure. It looked like there were some press pictures that they, that they presented. It looked a lot like this could have been one of the first projects coming out of the, the Nice studio in oh, France. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. um, yeah. But I, I would only put this out there based on the pictures that I have seen. There were apparently some kind of, 
presentation pictures and it looked from the from the building's perspective very much like the nice studio but i i that that is a lot of speculation yeah Yeah. i mean it was Um, probably a collaboration of you know different things because i mean when you've got a project like this going on like who wouldn't want to work on that right yeah exactly like you know just throw all of your ideas out there and it's like you know crazy fun um to to go ahead and 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 work on something like this so anyway yeah i mean i don't know how it's any like vision for the future for Mercedes Benz, if it even is an indication of anything at all um, in terms of like a, a movie car or whatever. But um, I think, you know, it's a pure, as a pure concept, as a pure kind of, you know, just, Hey, let's do something fun for CES. I think it's, it's quite cool. Yeah. Speaking of new stuff at CES, something that has been, Highly teased uh, by the, I would say now, famous and infamous mm. Henrik Fisker is the new Fisker Ocean. So yeah. he kept the name of of his own brand where they yes. released the, uh, the Karma back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think it was in 2012. Obviously, uh, you know, Henrik Fisker is super... Super famous for his work at BMW with the BMW Z8. Uh, was it Aston Martin? Uh, yeah. Did the, the Vantage over there? So quite a household name yet again trying to build his own car brand or like you know rebuild his own car brand in in that sense uh, this time a little bit more from the cheaper side so he's uh, definitely aiming towards a model 3 pricing from from what he has announced with everything that's coming up and uh, yeah uh, how what, what do you think oh, just another suv looks you know looks very yeah. much like it yeah i mean um yeah, again, I'm not a big fan of SUVs. Like we're seeing them everywhere. They are practical vehicles and they're like certainly the default vehicle choice the world over. It's not just like, you know, one market. It's like everyone has flocked to this. Um, there's a number of reasons why I don't like SUVs. Efficiency is one of them. Um, this obviously is an electric SUV. Like you mentioned, it's a, got a very low price point, which is um, probably going to be um, you know, if, if it can get all, you know, the range and everything like that for under 30 grand, which is what they're pitching it at, um, 300 miles of range for less than, you know, 30 grand, um, it, it will appeal for sure from, you know, just that perspective. But then from a design perspective, like I'm not, I'm not a fan at all, <laughs> um, this looks like it, it could, you know, there's one image of it, you know, like, uh, you know, um, it's a rendering of it uh, charging up at some charging station. It looks like a Mitsubishi Outlander. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, what the, and there's nothing special about this at all. The only kind of cool thing from a design sense, I suppose, is, um, you know, how you can lower all of the windows at the push of one button and to turn it into California mode, which uh, Fisker has uh, has uh, alluded to and, and, and written about. Um, but, that's like a good marketing feature, I suppose, you know, mm. but again, like if you look at back in the day, um, Toyota's, uh, forerunner, you used to be able to lower the tailgate glass, uh, as well as all of the other windows, save for the one in, um, you know, between the, the C and the D pillar, mm. um, as well. So it's like, it's, you know, other than lowering the, the window there between the C and the D pillar, um, and there's two little windows there, actually. Um, so lowering all nine windows with the push of one button, I don't really see 
I don't really see that much, um, you know, in terms of uh, appeal. This doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. I mean, it's, it's more, I suppose, SUV like, mm. uh, you know, it's more rugged looking, you know, perhaps like, um, but again, it's like crossover with like massive wheels, right? Um, so, yeah. This is obviously where it's going to be interesting is to see like, you know, what, what happens if it has smaller wheels, uh, because oh, then sure. the stands will, will just change massively yeah. on, on the entire thing. It's, you know, it's also, it, it's becoming, I think more and more difficult also, and what we've just mentioned earlier with Pinfarina to have these guys, you know, and like to, to build brands and to build something that is really fundamentally new. And uh, I was actually hoping that someone like Fisker would, would, would still have the, I don't want to say the capabilities, but still have the imagination uh, to do that. But I think from, from a little bit of that understanding is, of course, he's a businessman, you know, and he's the, he's the, the CEO of his own company. He has to make decisions if they want to be on, on that kind of price range, which apparently is like, you know, 37500 um, and then they get about 7500 of benefits. Uh, mm-hmm. deducted from that as well so you get onto the 30 grand you know and 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 combining that with the with with his design aspirations i think will be it's just extremely difficult like mm-hmm. you know he knows where he probably has to you know work more towards the business side rather than the design side and this this could always be a little bit tricky you know to have that kind of mixed together i mean there's very few ceos that come from a design perspective the only one that comes to mind at the moment is thomas uh, ingenlatt mm. uh, at uh, at polestar uh, and obviously polestar is a very small brand so like you know i don't know how many people they have but uh, you know there's there, there's not these kind of top level managers who are also designers and i think a little bit with fisker you you can see that you know mm. there's this big ambition from a design perspective of the appeal position uh, perspective but then the hard truth hits and it's just like, oh crap, like, you know, we have to be within a certain budget and we have to do this and we have to do that. And, you know, that he's trying to play with some visual tricks. I would see, I would say there's a certain kind of two-toning or even like of tri-toning um, in there. But, you know, I don't know. I There's certain kind of elements such as the, the solar roof where I'm saying like, why would you still do that? Like save that money and do something better. With the design, it gives you a bit more. It's the same with the Scion, you know, car that's being developed here by Sony Motors in Munich. It's just like the solar roof is not going to give you that kind of, you know, it's not going to give you that much back that I think you would you would technically need it or it's definitely required. Uh, it's a nice idea, but again, you know, having a great idea is cool, but the 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 execution is the most important one. So I think with Fisker, it's just like maybe you know he was he was too diverse from business and design and the mix out of both is just doesn't it just doesn't you know doesn't get me i think you know i think it's also from a from the perspective uh of 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 sheer design it's like yeah you know um, could be a bit of a mini could be a bit of a hyundai kona those kind of things but what does it really make it stand out that it is a fisker you know yeah yeah i mean the thing is you know fisker has always been and I think he's been living in California for a good while. Um, and I think, you know, he is, um, has always tried to, obviously he's, he's feeding off of the culture there. Right. But mm-hmm. I think he is um, also developing things that he believes the California um, market in particular 
is uh, is looking for and and will find appealing. Hence the the solar roof. You know, you could really use it over there to uh, to you know power all of your auxiliary um, you know uh, air conditioning or whatever. I mean, you know, you could have the car be air conditioned as you before you get in, or mm-hmm. you know, continue to to run air conditioning while you're in a restaurant having lunch. So I mean. You know, there are, I think, benefits to like the solar roof, for example, but his, I think his, and he did this with the, the previous cars that he did as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did, uh, you know, the solar roof. He also did um, the, uh, the, the, the terms of like sustainability where he, um, he went like an extra step with his last car, with the Karma, where they sourced, um, I think it was like, um, you know, wood from the bottom of a, reservoir or a lake i can't remember now this was a long time ago but it was like you know they didn't chop the wood down they got the wood that had fallen naturally and was like you know and then they they reused this you know and so there's a lot of these like um you know recycling of materials so in this car for example they're using recycled carpeting there's like a vegan aspect to the interior besides the the solar roof right so there's a lot of um, sustainability, you know, um, aspect. which is a great effort. I think we have to yeah, put this out there. It's a great effort. I think it's brilliant, but it's also, you know, the California lifestyle thing is something that sells. I mean, Lucid is playing on that as well in terms of a marketing message, you know, homegrown, let's not forget California is still the biggest market in the now second largest car market in the world, which is the United States. Um, but you know, people in China are going to also want to use vehicles that are come from a more sustainable. You know, once they develop to a point where um, they're more aware of you know um, waste and 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 being um, more environmentally aware and efficient, shall we say? Because I don't think they're there yet. Mm. Um, you know, they're going to want to use stuff like eco suede. Um, you know, <laughs> in their vehicles. You know, and things like that. So. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good way to kind of move, um, not only in terms of like battery power and solar panels, but also, um, you know, the other materials that they're looking to use, um, to make a vehicle just more, um, environmentally efficient. So I applaud that definitely, but you're right. I mean, he's got cost constraints when you start doing things that are, you know, more, light of fancy and could be potentially uh, appealing and interesting from a design perspective, uh, you, you're going to incur costs. And um, yeah, but I don't <laughs> think ultimately that's how why it ended up looking the way it did. Um, so yeah, for me, aesthetically, like I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah. But I do, I do like a lot of the, uh, you know, sustainable elements, sustainable el- elements that are within this vehicle. Well, yeah, but this is what I mean is like, you know, it's always a great idea. Uh, to have certain things. I mean, it's the same in business. You know, if anybody thinks of starting their own business and stuff, it's like everybody believes they have a great idea, but then to execute it and to really get it onto the the, the, the top level shelf is uh, is a completely different story. And uh, and I think this one, in my opinion, it might have it would have probably helped if Fisker himself would have taken himself out of the design mm. and you know let other people do that who might have a bit more you know, touch to what's going on at the moment because it does have a little bit of that, a tiny bit of an old school feeling to it as well. Um, and, you know, just just let them do the job. I mean, there's there's always this generational gap and like the generational differences in it. But 
I I certainly just believe that it would have probably helped if he would have focused on the on the on the business side and let 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 other people do the design for him or vice versa of course yeah I mean that would be the thing but he's never been that kind of guy and would you blame him I mean you know if he if you know if if, if he can have the control of the design as well uh, who would say no to that I mean it's it's very difficult to criticize that in him but you know from from the outside it's always easy to say yeah yeah um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's gotta be difficult for him, you know, but he's, you know, there's, uh, I, I was hanging out with someone yesterday and we were talking about egos um, and, <laughs> and it's like, there are no bigger egos. I can't think of bigger egos, um, within, uh, you know, than, than car designers, maybe like, you know, football players. I don't know, man. It's like the, he wants to do everything himself, right? And he believes that he can. And, you know, because of where he lives as well, you know, um, the, you know, California, the US in general is kind of like this land of dreams where anything's possible. And he continues to get financed and he continues to like have people that are supporting and backing him. So, hey, you know, he's going to continue to, um, you know, think that he can um, create and build vehicles. And, you know, maybe, maybe this time it'll, it'll work out for him. I don't know. You know I mean? Yeah. Um, I hope, hopefully it does. You know, I, I wish him the very best, you know, I don't, yeah. no one likes to see other people fail. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, and just, just to add something to this, there's, um, uh, maybe you can put this into the show notes or something, but there is a, an article at the moment from a Australian website that tries to rank the 10 most influential car designers at this moment uh, in time. Yeah. <laughs> and these lists are the absolute horror for anything that could happen <laughs> Be because it, you know, it, it, it seems like it shows the people like, Hey, look, there's one person who designs all of these cars exactly. and it's just not the case. And obviously for these kind of ego positions and what you've just mentioned as well, these lists are the, are the worst kind of, um, multiplier in whatever you can think of, because then these people certainly believe like, oh, you know, I did this car and I did that car and stuff like that. It's like, um, no, like, you know, when you are in this kind of position of managing and of leading, you have the responsibility to make decisions. And yes, that is true, but you're not technically the designer of a car anymore. You're the decision maker for the department of design that this car gets the approval. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's I think the best way to design to to describe it. So, if you want to make a list of influential car designers, you would probably have to make a list of the people who actually design the cars, you know, who do the work. Uh, but that again is going to be almost impossible because there's so many people behind all of this, uh, you know, this process to then say, well, you know, that's the thing, and that's also a point where we, for example, in the in the awards, I'm not doing individual awards for people, but for the design teams, because in mm. the end, you know, it covers everybody who works in there. And, um, you know, yeah, obviously these kind of lists build up the egos, uh, quite massively. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're obviously everybody has their own opinion, but there are some, some people on that list is where I'm just saying like, you cannot judge them. They haven't been, you know, they've been there for two years, judge them after five years, not after two years. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's a bit tricky uh, in that sense. But that's just my, you know, I just wanted to add that once you said the ego thing, because I think it's quite interesting. And Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 full of it. It's, it's hilarious as well. I mean, yeah, we should definitely link this list because there's a lot of, like, comedy in there, I think. Um, you know, um, 
yeah i mean there's there's one one aspect where they're they're talking about um anyway it's 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 <laughs> hilarious we we'll link, we'll link the list we we'll link the list no and... yeah reading through this is is quite humorous but anyway yeah um, cool yeah they always pick the the top you know guy who's in charge of everything um and not like you know actual designers that have made really important strides i would say yeah um, in in their careers but that would be really difficult to do so in fairness <laughs> yeah anyway. that, that, that that would actually mean that the journalists need to know about their shit but whoa <laughs> you know <laughs> shall we shall we really ask people to do that but you know anyways um that's a different that's a different story um but all right then we, we we've pretty much covered everything in an hour and everything that happened over the christmas break so uh eric as always thank you very much for taking the time I do My very pleasure, much appreciate Mark. it as Absolutely. always, and um, yeah. So uh, keep it keep an keep an eye out on our social media pages. We have loads to uh, loads to share with you in the next few weeks. We will have our new project Pathfinder starting very soon, which is aiming for all the students and recent graduates. So keep a lookout yeah. for that. That will come out in the next few weeks. Uh, yeah. We have some really cool partners with that already, so we're very excited to launch that. And uh, yeah, and then in the meantime, if you have any more questions, if you want to reach out to us, if you are looking for a new job, if you're looking, you know, just to have a chat with us, you can find us on all social media channels. Uh, for myself, it's going to be at Concept House. For Eric, it's at Form Trends. You can email us. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter. Pretty much anything that you can think of. And uh, yeah, feel free to contact us. And for now, once again, Eric, thank you very much. And for all of our listeners, uh, speak to you very soon. Yes, and happy 2020.